before we start the show, a word from our sponsors at First Racing and the first Coast to Coast Pick 5 this Saturday, March 4th. Huge day of racing. The first racing tour stops at Gulfstream and Santa Anita Park with 13 stakes races and the Pick 5 sequence for the Coast to Coast. All graded stakes going to be starting at 437 Eastern, of course. We'll have a special show covering all these races. We're also going to be doing a live stream. Yet to be determined what time it begins. I may come on early so we can do some real deep dive ticket construction stuff. 415, 420, something like that. That information will be gotten out to you all later in the week. But this is some real must pay attention to stuff. In addition to that coast to coast pick five, mandatory rainbow six payout at Santa races seven through 12, $500,000 guaranteed late pick five at golf. $250,000 guaranteed late pick four and the ultimate betting challenge is going on as well. You can sign up for that one over at expressbet.com. The exact URL expressbet.com slash UBC hyphen 2023. We'll plug that elsewhere as well. And if that wasn't enough Sunday, we've got the mandatory rainbow six payout at Gulfstream park. Great things happening with our friends at first. And we've got you covered here at in the money media. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is a recap show for February 27th of Monday. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital. As you can see, if you're watching along on YouTube, coming to you from the Brooklyn Bunker once again and joined, as usual, from man, he's got he's got kind of a, a cooler background than the wood paneling that we sometimes see him with. Coming to us from the planet Texas, he is in the moneypodcast.com's own Nick Tamaro. Nick, what's going on? I'm doing great, my friend. Yeah, this is the background you'll see now uh, quite a bit more often with uh, some of the some of the Houston memorabilia, including the HOU, uh, the picture my wife gave me for Father's Day. Nice. So, yeah, we're in we're in good we're in fine fettle. The last race championship ring. So yeah, <laughs> you had to rub it in. You just had to rub that in. Had to mention it. <laughs> Never tire of talking about the beloved Astros. We do. We will talk some baseball as we get a little bit closer. I'm I'm doing the deep dive this year for the first time in several years. And uh, I'm sort of hoping to just focus on fantasy and not do any over-under things for the season, given my lack of success recently. But I, I may pick your brain at some point for some of that stuff. But we're here to talk horse racing. And we're going to start off, as we often like to start, with three-year-old news. And there's a couple of pieces of it. But the biggest piece of three-year-old news is the running of the rebel stakes at oakland over the weekend which did not go as we were expecting it was an unusual racetrack very sloppy i wonder how that um played into those results but i have to say i was impressed with the winner confidence game um this was a fast-paced race throughout but this was this was not a horse that sucked up this was a horse that made a move into that fast pace i was also impressed after the fact hearing his trainer talk about the fact that he was kind of losing his mind a bit um, in that indoor paddock with all the crowd around. And, you know, he wouldn't have really given a nickel for, for the chances pre and still it stuck on. It ran a pretty good race. It came back a 94 on buyer faster than that on time form. This was a big step up for this horse. And, you know, it's always hard to evaluate that slop number step up this time of year. But uh, certainly a horse deserving of more consideration going forward than we gave him in the past. What did you think of confidence game in the Rebel? 
Yeah, big, uh, big props, I think, right off the bat to Keith DeSormo, who, you know, we see these multi-million dollar yearlings and, and rich auction purchases left and right. And here's a guy who's now found a way to get a horse to the Kentucky Derby because this horse is in the Kentucky Derby um, with, you know, very this horse's pedigree is really not bad. It's just that these aren't the blue bloods that you would expect to see winning major races along the trail. So, um, the, you know. I will say, and I'll give us a little bit of credit, not that we really went hard on this take, but when we were doing the Kentucky Derby Future Wager first preview, we talked at length about the allowance race he had won at Churchill. And, you know, I I felt like that was probably a better race than it was being credited for. And, you know, the one, two, three finishers were Confidence Game, Rocket Can, and Hit Show. So, you know, that race has proven to be pretty productive, all things considered. And, And, you know, one of the things that, I was bringing up and discussing that was that hit show had been maybe a little compromised by being a little too far back. And, and so one of the things that you could kind of take from confidence games last start in the uh, Lecompte was that he was a little too close and the pace in the Lecompte was very strong. That's what helped set up instant coffee. And my concern with him as far as Saturday went was I just don't, and this is actually something that we could kind of put in our handicappers toolbox and, and discuss probably on many different platforms what do you do with a horse that looks like he's a need the lead type, right? What do you do with a horse understanding fully that horses that have speed generally are better when they're on the lead, but can you take the gamble that they can be as effective without the lead? And I think this is a great example of that because you can, when they're 18 to one, yes. you know, that's the time when you can do it. You can't do it when they're five to two or three to one. And this is a horse who very clearly showed that he can be effective when he doesn't have the lead. So, you know, big credit to him. And and I think seeing guys like Keith DeSormo and James Graham along the trail is always a good thing. You mentioned the pedigree. It's a very cool pedigree. Candy ride on the top line out of the Bernardini Dam, uh, Ebuissant. So uh, we'll see. A, of course, a half to Zenyatta. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing they, that this horse did not make a favorable impression in the ring. Um, you know, if he was anything like a Blue Sant, then he walked in slowly. <laughs> i couldn't resist I no, yeah it's okay it's okay it's but lovely. um you know it's still it's it's a it's a super distance oriented pedigree on the bottom side and and i think that gives him every opportunity to be a horse that you know could really be anything moving forward and and let's not kid ourselves pete i mean quite honestly as far as the other pace horses went he didn't beat them he buried them yes. i mean they were nowhere near it so, and these were two highly regarded Brad Cox horses. Um, so they, these were not bums that we were, you know, were, were a little bit uh, concerned about, you know, maybe not having that, that real ability. I, I think that's, I think that's very well put and uh, we'll see what happens going forward. One point on that need the lead type versus horse that just inherits the lead because they're fast. One thing that I do like to look at in that regard is the pace line whether it's on Timeform US or, you know, any other pace figures you might be using, Briss, et cetera. When it's a horse that's getting faster through the race, I tend to trust those horses maybe more as ones that will sit and finish as opposed to the ones that in the, the Paul Matisse methodology downline, when they're, when they're just sort of like gutting a field, going as fast as they can, and then, they, and then they slow de- they're slowing down like significantly late. I mean, they're typically going to slow down late, but when they're slowing down significantly late, um, maybe the kinds that I say, oh, yeah, they might need to be out there. That's not a foolproof way of evaluating that, but it is another uh, tool in the toolbox. Um, verifying was, uh, was a horse I wanted to, to come back to ended up going off the, the favorite here at three to two 
and uh, checks in fourth in the end, seemingly a casualty of that pace. Let's talk about the, the those two disappointments from the Cox Yard, that one and, uh, and Giant Mischief. Anything you see that made you want to make excuses for, for, for either of them? I mean, I feel like ju- just between pace and some trip things and the slop you you know you, you certainly wouldn't want to be giving up on them but we're getting a little late if we're talking about a horse you want to be uh, looking at for the kentucky derby yeah i mean verifying maybe had a little trip related excuse he was a little wedged in and and he was stuck inside when the race was all developing on the outside and he did make a you know a brief run in the stretch to at least get fourth but you just never saw that real forward move in him that you'd want to see from a horse that that you know A is going to have to go farther and and B is probably going to have to do it under similar circumstances. So, you know, unless you're looking to reinvent him as some type of very deep closer which I don't think Florent Giroux would end up being a particularly good fit for for that kind of horse. Florent is much more effective when he's forwardly placed. This kind of probably signaled the end of his cup of coffee as a a real Derby Trail contender. There's just nothing about his performance that makes me say, "Oh yeah, I want to, I want to bet that horse back." I really think that that there was maybe something more there that he could give. Giant Mischief to me just looked, looked distance limited. You know, he he looked like a horse that either now what you're doing, you're giving him one more shot more than likely, and what you're probably doing is just yanking him back as far as you can and and hoping that things develop in front of you because that's that's about all I think that he's capable of. And you know, the, these were. I mean, it, look, Brad Cox has gotten a lot of adulation uh, and, and duly so over the last few months. These were two very subpar performances. Let's talk about uh, the second place finisher, Red Route One, who definitely had the run, of the, the, like the race flow, I guess you'd say, in his favor, but makes a, a kind of a wild move from from very far back, taking advantage of, of a race that was coming apart a bit, but uh, did did what needed to be done to take the next step at the very least. Yeah, I feel like if it rains Derby week, you're going to hear about people saying this horse is a great filler for the exotics. You know, his problem as far as the Derby goes is he just drops way too far back. You know, you're you're dealing with, uh, and everybody is going to be a little seduced by Rich Strike's run last year. And they're going to say, well, a closer won last year. It's like, yeah, but, you know, that was a supersonic pace. And he ended up getting one of the greatest rides in the history of racing. I mean, Red Route 1 was in a different, he was in a different county. You know, I believe the race caller of Vic Stauffer at Oakland didn't even call him again uh, inside the three eighths pole because he was so far back. Yeah. And then you could see him kind of start to really make up ground rapidly. The interesting thing about him is that we don't know how he can handle a fast dirt track. You know, we've seen him run on fast dirt. And he's not been good, but he's been he's been good enough on two wet track races at Oakland. So I would imagine that uh, that that he'll head to the Arkansas Derby. And I would assume that the Asmussen camp would probably prefer to see a dry track and see how he performs on a dry surface. Get a little bit more information that way. Reincarnate had a lot of questions to answer uh, going in, shipping in and uh, doing a lot of things for the first time. Ended up running an all right race. I, I mean, a, another one that I feel like um, checked the box enough to, to continue on the trail. I can't conjure you a lot of reasons, um, you know, based on the form, exactly where the needed improvement is, is going to come from. But, <clears throat> You know, acquitted himself okay, I all things considered, under the circumstances. Yeah, you know, he probably took the worst of it start to finish. He was a little flat-footed coming out of the gate, um, and that really cost him early position. Now, on the flip side of it, do you believe that him being as far back as he did, I guess the question becomes, if you give him Giant Mischief's trip, does he finish better than Giant Mischief? Probably not. 
So it was probably one of those situations where, you know, and I think in, in trip handicapping, you have to understand this, where it actually helped him to be that far back. He shot. did get in the little traffic and upper stretch. Yeah. Um, I don't think it mattered. I think he was probably running third no matter what. And there was an inquiry to keep him, to see if, if uh, he could be reversed with red route one. But um, it was just, you know, the connections are going to say, ah, he wasn't where we wanted him to be, blah, blah, blah. But he was just third best. Yeah, that, that, that seems fair. There was trouble at the beginning, but it might have been the kind of thing, you know, in a fast-paced race, as we've said many times, there's worse things than getting left a bit because, uh, you know, just the way the race flows from there. So, I mean, it's the only circumstance where either getting left or getting held up in traffic could actually be helpful. Right, right. You could you could take that view. But again, a horse that I think people will be looking looking at a lot more going forward. Let's talk about the, the other race from Oaklawn and then we'll do the general news about the Baffert horses and then we'll, we'll pivot to, we'll pivot to Saudi for, for, from there. But the honeybee uh, won by wet paint comes back. You, you, your line about this, this class of three-year-old fillies having the case of the slows, this race doesn't do much to disprove it. Uh, nothing dispositive uh, from this uh, data point with an 83 buyer speed figure for her. Did you do, you, but I mean, at, at some point here, we're going to have to say, um, you know, we're going to have to start looking at some of these horses with mid-80s buyers as legit Oaks contenders if if we don't have anything else. What, what did you think of Wet Paint? You know, she's a filly who's obviously been helped by wet surfaces in her last two starts. I don't have any data points on the whole synthetic turf, wet dirt kind of thing. I generally believe, not as a hard and fast rule, but just as my opinion, that turf horses, turfy types are helped by wet tracks. Um, I just think the, the looseness of the surface underneath their feet probably is, is a little bit more desirable. Um, you know, this race sort of epitomized the 2023 Oaks class, which is that at the eighth pole, you're like, good God, these horses aren't hungry. They're starving. I mean, they were just, it was just kind of a, a scrum across the track. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from the runner up. I thought she actually ran pretty well. Um, all things considered, setting that pace and and uh, how did Timeform US have it? I haven't I hadn't looked at the Timeform US. Figure. Well, the last I looked, I didn't have Timeform info yet. Oh no, it's here. Hang on, let me get it. I have the Honey Bee as coded even, okay. um, coded even, and it came back also kind of slow. I mean, exactly the same. The raw was one hundred three um, for wet paint, which is equivalent to that eighty three buyer, and then it was actually. It was actually downgraded um, by the algorithm to a 101, uh, more like an 81 speed figure. Yeah, I mean the the pace setters were running uh, was running a, a, a 106, so or 112 and 106 were the first two numbers in the pace line. Okay, you know, and, and wet paint made. I, I guess the the thing that you can say about wet paint that is in her favor is that she really made the only off the pace move. Now she saved a ton of ground. And, and really got an excellent ride from Flavian Pratt. You know, she looks like a horse that has some quality. But, you know, until somebody steps up, all of these horses are contenders. Right. You know, and, and you're just looking at a group that probably is made up of horses that are going to struggle to get 90s speed figures, buyer speed figures. So, you know, I, I'd like to see her one more time on a dry surface. I would imagine they'll look at the Ashland. Um, I, I don't think that anybody should fear wet paint um the horse especially so i would say um yeah we'll, we'll get a little bit more out of that you know there's just so much about that race that you just don't feel a great amount of confidence in all the way from the horse that finished second to 
you know, the trip that she ended up getting up the rail and the fact that it just wasn't very quick. We mentioned the Baffert news. That is that all of not, they haven't all gone to Yak team, but almost all of those three-year-olds have gone to <laughs> Yak team. The ones that, the ones that we've been talking about mostly there was, there were a couple other trainers mixed in there, but and this is news that I was waiting to see. When are we gonna? What, are we gonna see a published work from Arabian Night? There was one. Um, yes. So, so that's so that's big news. And and he sort of headed the discussion of the Baffert runners going over to Yachtine. So now, over the course of the next several weeks, we'll we'll figure out where they're gonna where those horses are gonna be landing. We've got a bunch of them. One really cool thing, and they got to give props, not just because they're they're clients, but because. How cool is it that we already have this big March 4th day for both Gulfstream and Santa Anita drawn? Like we have the entries, so we can get a really nice early jump on our handicapping for next weekend, which of course we're going to have covered seven ways to Sunday here on the network. Not only are we going to have pre-shows covering those days, but I'm going to be doing a live stream on Saturday. Maybe I'll try to press you into service to help me for, for uh, some portion of that, Nick, but it's going to be a great, uh, great weekend. And we've got the PPs already and we could see some of those Yachtine Bafferts already um, entered in there. So this isn't really a surprise, but it just, you know, the injunction they were trying to get that to, to no surprise did not work out. And, you know, let's, let's move forward. But yeah, for me, the biggest news was just catching that there, there was, you know, we talked up Arabian night last week. And then after that show, I was like, wait a second, does he work? Does he work? And he now, had when, when did he work? Cause Equibase is saying he hasn't worked since February 13th. He, that was the work that I saw. I hadn't even seen that he'd worked, that he'd worked at all. Oh yeah. No, he missed one for sure. Cause he was supposed to work the weekend of the 20th and he didn't. And so he did get transferred to Yachtin. So I right. mean, there is, there is movement on, on his derby status but the problem that they're running into right now with him is that i mean in all likelihood he is looking at one more opportunity to to prep right. so santa Anita derby mean, or arkansas I'm, i guess I, i'm guessing yeah i mean there's 11 in the san felipe i i usually i'm on top of of uh of draws, you know, as, as well as just about anyone. And I did not realize that Santa Anita had drawn as well. I forgot that, uh, that first racing did this last year as well to get the PPs out as early as possible, which, Oh my goodness, anybody out there listening, it's, it's, it's a godsend, like get your races drawn as early as possible. And hopefully they got all their bad weather out of the way. I mean, the card is phenomenal looking at it just on the overnight. There's 11 in the San Felipe. There's, um, there's a, a field of 11 in the big cap. There's nine in the kill row. You know, it's, uh, it's a situation that we're going to face pretty regularly, I think, on on a, on a clearly because there just aren't a lot of good horses out there, you know. But if we can match the lack of quality with some with some depth and some quantity, I think that makes it a lot more uh, more interesting. I got to figure out when we're going to do the uh, when we're going to do this live stream. I'll I'll put heads together with Peter Rotundo today and figure that out. Probably on the earlier side. I see the card goes late. The Kilrow and uh, the Santee did a handicap scheduled for eight and eight thirty. I'm going to have to explain to a little girl who's very excited about watching the Kids Choice Awards with me on Saturday night. Why I'm you know having a second screen experience for for a while uh, while uh, JoJo Siwa gets her uh, award. But you know we'll deal with that when we come. There was an interesting development with Perrin. Um, over the weekend to go on a tangent, I she made her her maiden voyage to Aqueduct, and I wasn't quite sure. You know, when I think of child friendly racetracks, Aqueduct not the first place that, uh, that that comes to mind. I'll be honest, but it ended up being amazing. Like she loved it. We got in. We're part of the the Adelphi horse, the Adelphi Racing Club horse in the last gem in ten, 
and ended up in the the horseman's lounge and it was like 10 year old heaven she you know she goes in and there's a there's the, the, the they've got all these uh, they've got all these little uh, treats out they've got cookies and and cheese it and potato chips and and <laughs> sodas and she's like daddy can we come here more <laughs> oh that's great it that's was great. Uh, he doesn't love it yeah it was good yeah. it was you know i think she's maybe perhaps more interested in snackwaduck than aqueduct but we, we we still we uh we got to go down to the paddock that was fun she enjoyed meeting the pony and uh we even got we, we, get, we got a picture taken with, with the other adelphi horse that won so you know that i think that'll be kind of a flex for her in uh in fourth grade too so it was uh it was a fun day a fun day all in all and, and a horse that i'm i'm not ready to give up on i think that i think that was a tough i think that was a tough race for the level and I'm curious to see what he does. Uh, hopefully, he comes out of that nice, and and uh, we'll we'll run that back, and 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 he can go he can go one better. It's possible his future will be on turf, but I'm I'm not giving up on Gem uh, Min Ten just yet. He's uh, I, th- I think he's already. I saw you picked him. I wasn't sure if you if you uh, if you did that uh, you know out of, out of deference to uh, to to knowing my involvement with him or if you if you really liked him. But I'm guessing you really liked him because that first race that form is coming back okay. Oh, you know I'm not nearly friendly enough to pick a horse just because you owned a piece. I don't know. I usually, I explained to Marshall Graham a long time ago, I usually try and find every reason not to pick the horses of the people who I who I know the owner of. But um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's funny. It actually brings up a funny, a funny exchange that I was privy to years and years ago. I was at Saratoga and I was sitting with Andy Serling and Linda Rice walked by the box that we were sitting in and she said, Andy, did you pick my horse? And he said, Linda, I never picked your horse. <laughs> it was very typical of him. And, and you know, it's like, it, it, you know, it's, it's true, right? You, when you know people in the game, you, you appreciate the ones that can take some constructive criticism of, of their horses. And so, you know, there was a horse that Marshall had a couple of years ago that that he really that he and the and, and clay and the ownership group really liked and i just never liked the horse i just never thought the horse was any good and so occasionally he would text me just to get like the curmudgeon point of view because i would you know try and be nice about it but um yeah so i i don't you know she ended up being a lot better than than i probably thought but still yeah you who you, are we it's talking a- about which which horse was that Lady Rocket. I was not. Oh, <laughs> I'd say a lot better. I'd say a well, lot and better. I will say that I was, I was, I, I was converted by her Gopher Wand in 2021, yes. and I yeah. did. But I, but you know, the other thing is that, and, and I mean, this is in in total, you know, with credit to Marshall, who is a, a brilliant guy and very, very good when it comes to assessing his horses. And we talked right after because she got a huge figure in that race, and so we talked, and and you know. I said, obviously the circumstances were good, but look, it was still fast. And so, you know, what I kind of hoped at that point was that they were going to go on with her and they were going to keep running her through the winter and really try and get as much as they could. So I was, I was a little bit, and then of course I did try and talk to them about running in the Breeders' Cup last year because I felt like she deserved a chance. So it was, yeah, it's funny when you get to know people that own horses and even at Sam Houston, I've got a friend who's a trainer. And so I'll give him a hard time about his horses and (laughs) it makes for a lot more fun. But Definitely. I will tell you also on the uh, on the child front that, yes, it, it is shorts and T-shirt weather in Texas already. And yesterday, my daughter wore her Belmont Stakes Race, Racing Festival shirt for the first time. She informed my wife that daddy bought it for her at the horses 
because that is how <laughs> she refers to me being at the racetrack. And uh, so we were very much in, uh, I was trying to get the right position last night to get a picture of her wearing it. And, and my wife was like, no, it's not clean enough. So <laughs> yeah, it's going right to the Naira, the Naira Twitter feed. If yeah. There was no, there was no danger about the clean cleanliness of the shirt. The picture I posted of parent, if you zoom in, you can see the potato chip crumbs. So I mean, yeah, it's, was... <laughs> it's usually a race between my daughter and I to see who has more stains on their shirt. <laughs> Let's talk about Saudi for a minute, my friend. Another big, a very big night for the Japanese. And we're seeing them really tilt their racing year towards this event. I mean, the February stakes, which we covered, you know, it was a nice race a couple of weeks ago, but you could see a lot of the horses being held out to go for these valuable prizes overseas. And once again, you can see why, because of just uh, some huge efforts. And we'll start by talking about uh, Pantalassa, who was the winner in wire-to-wire fashion of the $20 million Saudi Cup country grammar. He's a hard trier under Frankie Dettori. Coming late, didn't quite get there. I guess they're hoping for a repeat of the script from last year, where a second in this race led to a win in the big one over in uh, in Dubai. Um, meanwhile, Cafe Farrow uh, ends up back in third. Disappointment of the race was Taba, who just didn't look to be handling things and does make you wonder. I mean, this is a horse for whom this older horse division has looked there for the taking at times, but it's hard to be as confident about that after seeing this performance. What did you make of the Saudi cup? Yeah. I mean, as far as the American contingent goes, the the takeaway is that Taba underperformed dramatically. And um, you saw he was a little wound up the other day during training. Maybe he just didn't ship well. You know, he might be a horse that is a little more com- not not as comfortable traveling. Uh, I mean, Bob Baffert previously has been able to send horses pretty much all over with success. So that was uh, that was a little surprising to see. And I mean, I think if you had scripted where he would be going down the backstretch, you'd be perfectly comfortable taking a, you know, a, a modest price on him at that point. And so he just didn't pick up. And I wonder if maybe they'll rethink some of the the. Uh, as far as short-term plans, which I think originally was to consider Dubai. I don't know if it was to stay over there or what, but uh, I still think that it's probably going to be best for him to come back and come home. Maybe, regroup. Yeah. Come home and regroup. And and I think Baffert is now able to run in, in races in New York. So, I mean, Taba feels like a pretty good fit in the Met mile. And so I hope he kind of come, comes back with an eye on that. But um, luckily the Americans weren't swept on the card. We just, uh, didn't really have much of a showing in the Saudi Cup. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't great. We'll see what happens going forward with the with those two and the rest, and obviously continue to follow the Japanese story. The big race for the U.S. was the Riyadh Dirt Sprint, where Elite Power looked very, very good in victory, getting the job done with the Gunite checking in in second. And yeah, this 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 was the the USA sprinters acquitted themselves pretty well over the over the Japanese in this uh in this one and elite power i'm just hoping he continues to go on and uh, looks like a horse that could have a really nice campaign uh, assuming he bounces back well from this trip yeah this was good i mean Gennite is a good horse and he just you know there was a, a great uh, jockey cam piece that was available on twitter that i think Frankie Dettori put out there and and boy i mean you want to talk about all-time great career moves. Frankie's probably wondering why he didn't do this a few years ago. Cause you come over here and, and obviously Frankie's won a million races all over the place, but I mean, hell, he looks like he's 35 years old. 
you know, he's riding great. And then I get a feeling we're, this is going to be a very Brett Favre like retirement <laughs> because I mean, why right now? Right. I mean, if you can come over in winter at a place like Santa Anita, I mean, you know, and set up yourself for, for races like the Derby and maybe opportunities for three-year-old races down the line, why would you stop? So, and, and elite power was really just push button in this race. I mean, he, he, he it looked like a steer job for the most part. And, you know, this is not that surprising when you're talking about a Bill Mott horse that took a little bit more time to come to hand, but now he did. And, you know, this horse could be anything. And quite honestly, I think they might be tempted to look at maybe going to a mile with him just with the power that a, a race like the Met Mile has. And he seems to settle and be able to do pretty much anything distance wise. So obviously Godolphin also has Cody's wish that would end up eyeing the uh, the Met Mile as well. Not that uh, Lee Powers Godolphin is he's Jodmont. But yeah, it could end up being a really nice race. And, you know, I think we saw the best performance, even though we're going to talk about Casa Creed. Casa Creed ran great, but uh, the best American performance by far was Lee Power. Any quick thought on the uh, on the Saudi Derby, having a meltdown, nearly getting it done, but to Commissioner King coming away with the win doesn't feel like a race that's going to have uh, major implications uh, on, on the Triple Crown. But I suppose the same group could recongregate in Dubai and, and get some points there. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing that we've seen in terms of the Saudi Derby versus the uh, UAE Derby is that the configuration is just so drastically different. There really hasn't been a lot of overlap between the results over the years. And, you know, all these races at Saudi are around one turn. And obviously it may done they're all around two turns. So it's a little different. Um, I don't I don't envision it having this, him having really much of an impact along the way. I do hope that there's an opportunity for international participation in the Kentucky Derby if for no other reason than it took international horses to actually set a fast pace last year. <laughs> so, you know, that would be nice, but um, I don't, I don't know if having a meltdown is going to be able to get to the race, um, especially now with this ship, but still it was, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he ran incredibly. I don't want to take anything away from him. Let's go to talk about uh, the turf sprint, the 1351 turf sprint, Bathrot Leone gets it for Japan, but Kazakri doesn't lose much in, in defeat. It looks like another horse that uh, I think will have some big targets, presumably the Jiper next on the Belmont uh, undercard. I would imagine. I, I think the, the Dubai World Cup night race is just five eighths. So I, I know the Alcaz, they've they've bounced back and forth distance wise with that, but I think it's five eights now. So that's not really Casa Creed's game. I mean, one of the all time injustices of the world is that Casa Creed has not been able to run in a Belmont Breeders' Cup. It's like, you know, Lee Einsiedler, who's everybody's friend, needs to, to bank on those bonds happening and tell Mott, keep this horse going until he's 11. Right. <laughs> he's, he's just he would be such a great he's obviously such a great fit at six furlongs at uh at uh, Belmont. And so, you know, you'd want to see him get an opportunity there. Um, and my understanding also is that the turf sprint this year is five eighths at Santa Anita. That's tough. You know, if it was yeah, down, that's 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 way, he'd be tough, but um, you know, is that official? that's what Steve Bick told me last year. So I'm, I'm putting it right out there. Gotcha. Um so I don't know if it's official. We'll I mean, it's, that. It's, it's always, yeah. I love the downhill for that race. I mean, it's so different, but it's, it's so cool. It's the, it's the best configuration for a race run in this country in a breeder's cup format. You know, to me, the two, the two configurations that I could, I could absolutely just filibuster you on this, but <laughs> the two configurations that should be run when they're available are the downhill turf and the flat mile. You know, the yeah. one turn mile is just much more of an interesting situation than a two turn mile. So, I mean, hopefully 
maybe things clear up and, and they could try the, the downhill because boy, Casa Creed would be a great fit. All right. I think that's all the time we have for this segment, Nick. We encourage people to check out those PPs, start digging on Gulfstream Park and, and Santa Anita. We're going to have tons of coverage for you later in the week. Naira are back in the boat. We'll be covering them uh, more and more as the season goes on. You can follow Nick's picks every day over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com as far as that goes. Nick, we'll see you a little bit later in the week. Sounds great, my friend. Thanks for having me. We are very pleased to have Naira back in the fold. Our coverage is going to be kicking off this weekend for Gotham Day. Going to have a special show. I think it's going to be Nick Tamaro and Andy Serling covering those races. Going to be doing more with Naira than ever before, including them linking out to our content over at the Naira.com website. You can also follow along on Fox America's Day at the races. You can find that schedule via our pretty link in the moneypodcast.com slash TV, or you can also find it over at the broadcast schedule on Naira.com. Very excited to be working with our friends at Naira. Once again, for more information, go to Naira.com. Next up on the show, happy to bring back another familiar voice for uh, one of her several annual visits to give us a little bit of a look at some of the key things going on with the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, one of our founding partners here at In The Money Media and an organization we love to support from that very organization, the first lady of In The Money Media podcast, Kim Weir. Kim, what's going on? Well, good morning, Pete. It's a sunny, if wintry day in Saratoga, and I'm delighted to kick it off with you. I like the I like that positive energy. Are you uh, Are you traveling down to uh, Florida this weekend uh, by chance? Oh, I'm so happy that you asked. Indeed, I am. I will be flying on Thursday to spend uh, Friday and Saturday at Gulfstream, and I will be around and about and would love to see and say hello to any of our wonderful friends from the In The Money family who might be down there. So look for me at Gulfstream. I think I get to be at 10 Palms both days. So Excellent. Send me a note. If, anybody, send me a note if you're going to be down there. We've got lots to talk about, and that's why I'm here with you today. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about some of those high-level things, but that's great that you're going to be there. I'm not making the trip down. I'm going to be covering the big first Saturday from the Brooklyn bunker this year. Um, okay. Complicated reasons. I'm not going to get to be at either track, but in a way for broadcasting purposes, it probably works to works to our advantage, but I'll miss seeing you and the listeners down there. I know we got a number of things to talk about. Um, why don't we start with this big anniversary that we're, we're, we're dealing with and, and an event to celebrate? Yes. Well, let's call it the first of a great big series of kick-ass parties. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Yes, um, that is what we are aiming. It's a big year. We've all, well, many of us on this who are in this conversation have crossed the the, the threshold of a 4-0-40th <laughs> birthday. Um, I don't know and, what you're uh, talking about, Kim. Right. I don't know. Me neither. I've heard about it. I've heard it's a big, it's a big year, but our organization, the extraordinary um, herd of the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation has turned 40 years old, four zero four zero years old. This is our anniversary year. It's a big one and we plan to sort of make much of it. And we're starting. Um, uh, so just put that in your books as a, as a theme. That's why I'm going to darken your doorstep regularly this year, more regularly perhaps than usual because of this. Um, because 40 is a big deal, big deal. It's a lot of people to thank, a lot of people who've gotten us this far, and, and you, my friend, are certainly one of them. So this first party uh, of the year is actually um, a week from Friday. It's on March 10th. It is here in Saratoga. So a special shout out to the Saratoga Capital Region listeners. We have a party. Please come join us. Um, right here at our favorite, one of our favorite venues is the Principessa Elena Club, which is this oh, wonderful, charming, um, hometown Italian club. And 
we are um, we're doing a few things all at once because that's what, how we roll. Um, we are celebrating the 40th anniversary. We're bringing both of our farm managers from the Second Chances programs at Wallkill and out in Attica. Both uh, Courtney and Kelsey will be with us in the house. Um, and we are kicking off also this wonderful um, this what wonderful thing to celebrate and inspire our friends Lazy Dog um, Cookie Company have launched the Horse Bitskits and they are for sale everywhere on our website on Chewy and we will be really making a big fuss about that product launch on on that Friday because all the proceeds from those cookies, those horse cookies go to the herd of the TRF. And then last but not least, we've actually decided to kick it up a notch with this first party. And we've brought in some real, um, some real music to make us move and shake. And that is Garland Nelson that many of you in the Saratoga region may know. Soul Session is his band and he's coming with a duo, not the whole band. Um, But we're really going to try to get people actually like out on the dance floor and have a a throw down real, real deal party. And I, I can't wait. I think this time of year we should all shake off those winter blues and get ourselves out there. Um, so it's a party for the horses on March 10th. And um, so awesome. It's a sponsor day. Yeah, it's a great venue. And like your friends at Adelphi Racing jumped right in there as a wonderful sponsor. Um, our friends from Lazy Dog, our friends from BSNB. Um, please check out the sponsors. But Adelphi, big shout out to them for jumping in and helping us so that we could have Garland bring the music. That's cool. So. What's the best way to get tickets for that, Kim? Can can they access through my page or the regular TRF site or what would you say? Just for today in the spirit of a Monday, I'd say just go to our page and click on the events tab. It's right there. Um, and if I get it to your page, I will, I will be getting trfinc.org. Go to the events tab. It'll eventually probably show up on our page too. But for now, trfinc.org um, and go to the uh, events tab. And yeah, I, that that's that's fantastic. The, the the venue is really cool. Total old school social club vibes with the very reasonably uh, priced drinks. And uh, I don't know, is there going to be food in the mix oh as well? My, oh my gosh, these folks, I don't know, these Italians, they love their food. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, indeed, if you check out the event page, you'll actually see the whole menu. It's a Utica, it's a Utica theme. So there's like tomato pie and Utica greens and all kinds. They are really into their food. So all You're that is- You're making me hungry. You know, I do this I intermittent know. fasting now and I, I can't hear oh. about this stuff at this time of day. Oh. It's, no, it is the best value for your ticket you're going to find. $40 and you get all this food, you get cheap drinks, you get tons of fun, and you're helping the horses. So that's yeah, great. make your fast and come join us. <laughs> now, we've made some people in other parts of the country. We, we've ticked them off a little bit Tim, because we're talking about this event that you have to be in a, in you know a very narrow uh, place in the country to attend. But the good news is... You've got some stuff going on in some other regions of the country where you really, you know, have just been beginning to make more inroads in the last few years. Let's hear about this event on March 25th. Yeah, well, we are. We are national, and this anniversary is a national anniversary. So wherever you are, we're going to try to bring it to you. And that means that we are coming to my home state. We are going west. We are going out to California. And on March 25th, so last Saturday of this month, we're going to have our TRF 40th anniversary day at Santa Anita. And we are so grateful to the great folks at first for having a completely awesome response to my inquiry and saying, yes, yes, yes. We're going to have a a table to put information out. I think we get to do like a, a check presentation in the winner's circle. We'll do an on-air interview with our friend Zoe Cadman, who's actually awesome. been to our program in Ocala. And um, and we have some awesome, awesome volunteers in California. And uh, Andrea, Andy, Holly, and Heidi, you know who I'm talking about. Um, so we want anyone who's actually on the West Coast. I know you have so many great West Coast listeners like Michelle, our friend Michelle Yu. Like, we want to gather all of our friends who are members of the herd. Um, 
we'll let, we'll, we'll put it all on our website, but you can join in the fun on the 25th. It's not a ticketed event or anything. It's just going to be, you know, wave the flag for the TRF and um, meet up with each other out there. So um, very grateful to have that opportunity and hope we might be doing some similar things. In fact, I know we'll be doing some similar things at other racetracks around the country um, as the year rolls on. So keep that in mind. March 25th, just come out, wear your TRF gear at Santa Anita. I guess that's the only instructions you really have is find your hat, find your shirt. Oh, speaking of which, I think I'm going to hint to Kurt on this. Old Smoke is contemplating or working on, I should say, working on a new um, piece of gear for us to celebrate the 40th anniversary. Oh, cool. So when that's when it's live, uh, we'll you know I'll dark them in your, your doorstep again. Yeah, well, I'll need to I'll need to be wearing it in some of our in some of our video events. I'll remind folks also, especially if you've cashed uh, any time recently on something we gave out on the shows, we've got the the classic uh, I won and so did they shirt collaboration with In the Money and TRF and Old Smoke. You can find that at InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash Old Smoke. That day, uh, the TRF day out there sounds great. And it sounds like there'll be something for us to follow. Those of us not able to be out there in California will be able to follow along on the simulcast feed with that uh, with that interview with, with Zoe, who always does such a great job. So that's uh, that's some very, very cool stuff. Now, it's never, you know, on this show, especially this year more than ever, Kim, we've been very much looking forward to the Kentucky Derby all winter long. And this mm-hmm. year, once again, it sounds like there are going to be several ways to participate, celebrate, help out TRF around uh, racing's uh, one of racing's biggest events, the Kentucky Derby. I know we can't give all the details on everything just now. There'll be more announcements coming, but there are some ways folks can start planning, marking their calendar. I know I want to mark mine so I can be as involved as possible. What are you guys looking at in terms of Derby Week events this year? Well, great. Well, thank you. Yeah, we are totally planning to hook you in as much as we can get you, uh, Pete, because the first thing I'd mention to folks is if they haven't done this yet, um, it's they're not, you know, there's plenty of time to visit some of our horses. We talk so much about them and we all love them so dearly, but there is really honestly nothing better than meeting them in person. And that is what is possible at the TRF Sanctuary Farm at Chestnut Hall. Um, that is in Prospect, Kentucky, which is really like 30 minutes door to door from the parking lot at Churchill Downs. So it's it's Louisville. It's just a pretty uh, scenic, farmy kind of suburb of Louisville. And that is where a dozen of our beloved TRF horses live. And so the first thing I'd say is that Horse Country Tours, amazing partner for us, tremendous organization um, that supports all of the thoroughbred farms, but they they are the booking agent for tours of Chestnut Hall. And as a really cool um, twist and a wonderful gesture, Horse Country is now passing 100% of tour proceeds straight to us as a charity member of their organization. And they're doing that with each of the other nonprofits. There's only a handful of us, um, like New Vocations and Second Stride and TRF. You know, we all work closely together. But if you book your tour through Horse Country, you get all the the bells and whistles of a really nice, slick um, scheduling system. And you... Um, and you can do, but we get all the money. So just know that. And then the cool thing about you, my friend, is that we're going to put you on the porch again. Um, we are going to do our best to not have it be quite as rainy as the first time. <laughs> you did this. But it's, you know, it is spring in Kentucky, so I make no promises. And um, the porch held up well, despite the weather. And we're going to do handicapping with 
the the illustrious Peter Thomas Fornatal on the porch of Chestnut Hall, combined with a, a tour of the farm. So that will be all booked through Horse Country, but we're going to put you on the spot. We probably won't make you do the whole card. We'll do like maybe an oats and a derby, uh, a, a fun a fun pass for the for the general public that might want to join us. Uh, we'll we'll certainly have some coffee. We'll probably have some Bloody Marys. I actually think I still have a like a huge fifth of Tito's from the first party that we did in my closet downstairs. <laughs> it's a well-traveled model of liquor. But um, so anyway, that I think is looking like March 2nd, May, May 2nd and 3rd. I don't, and, and so we'll get more details on your site, Pete, but thank you for participating in that. Yeah, and just that'll be fun. And can yeah, they that, book that now through horse country or is that, is that not yeah, quite available yet? It is, I think it's within days of ready. So yeah. um you go check out Horse Country anyway, because if you're trying to book anything while you're in Kentucky for the Derby Week, you want to be booking it now because those yeah. tours all fill up fast. I think go to Horse right. Country. It's called Visit Horse Country is the website, but it's super easy to find. And that one eventually, when it's ready, will pop up on our page. And yeah. we'll plug that again, as well as a bunch of other stuff. I mean, that's not really a secret. This, this series of the signed bottles you've been doing yep. the last few years. Sounds like that's going to be going on again. And it sounds like we just might have some seats for auction as well. So a lot of stuff to pay attention to um, going forward. Obviously, you can get all the information here, the TRF website, and then pretty soon we'll have everything up on uh, trfinc.org slash players, our official page. And, and Kim, yeah, you are welcome as often as you want during this uh, 40th anniversary season and very much looking forward to getting to hang out with you again. We did the first of our whiskey dinners that we, so uh, we had as a silent auction item. I, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back. I don't want to pull out my shoulder, patting myself on the back too much, but I feel like, uh, I, I feel like we did a pretty rock and roll job in terms of oh. whiskey selections and food the other night. It was great that you were able to join. Oh my gosh. I was so, so grateful that I got to sneak in on that. Natalie and Joe had a grand time. And I mean, the whiskey, the bottles alone were just so beautiful. I asked my husband, did you see the gold Blanton's bottle from England? And he had, and I mean, there, what a, what a collection you have. And now we have the photos to prove it. And I, I, I'm still thinking honestly about the cheese board, which was not, you know, the, the extra bennies were incredible. And the, the selfie of you and me in the bunker is probably my most prized possession now. Because That's awesome. I, you know, I mean, I mean, maybe I'll make that the post, uh, maybe I'll make that the picture to go with the post today uh, <laughs> the featured image as we say over on wordpress well hopefully we'll be able to schedule some more of that action as we go along always a pleasure to hang with you always a pleasure to help out with the great work you and the organization do at the thoroughbred retirement foundation helping horses also helping people through the second chances program which we'll be hearing much more about throughout the course of this 40th anniversary season kim i think we've checked the boxes for today we'll have you back soon unless you have a closing thought no, it's so great to be with you today, Pete. Thanks for the time and wishing everyone the best of racing luck over the days ahead. What a great message. We'll thank Kim Weir one more time. We'll also thank Nick Tamro, our founding partners, the TRF and 10 Strike Racing. You heard plenty about both of them through the course of the show. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. Help us out. Go over to YouTube, rate, uh, review, subscribe to our channel. Subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts as well. And hey, even better than that, tell the racing fan in your life about the work we're doing here, not just on the flagship show, but with JK Plus One and the In the Ring show and the Owner's Box, Redboard Rewind, you name it. A lot of fun content going on over here. And the word of mouth is one of the best ways for podcasts to grow and continue to thrive. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. Our business manager is Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge champion Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital.
May you win all your photos.